Hello, Nantucket. Nantucket, are you there? It's me, Christmas. How you guys doing, everybody? Thank you for the click. Episode 23, guys, we're here. Stroll weekend has passed. We're in the thick of the Christmas season. Got a few more weeks. Hopefully you've done your shopping or you're in the middle of it. If you're a really organized person, you did it months ago so you wouldn't be stressed during these two weeks leading up to the big day. Or if you're Jewish, oy vey, because you're celebrating Hanukkah. Because I think it's the third day of Hanukkah. Either way, the season season of gift giving is upon us. And uh, you got a few more weeks to do it. But we are in the middle of it. Today is December 8th. It's a rainy Tuesday here on Nantucket, and the lady is gray. The grayest of grays today. But that's okay, because it's a good day to go inside, make a fire, maybe do a little online shopping. Or maybe you did your shopping this past weekend. Over Stroll Weekend. What a weekend it was. The island was popping. I played out at Cisco on Saturday. You know, I have to say it was kind of cool to see all those people dressed up and, uh, you know, being festive. I don't mind it, you know. Uh, Stroll weekend here is kind of like a, uh, it's a cooler version of Fugawi. People that are a little more adult. Uh, and uh, I don't mind everyone dressing up in the crazy Christmas outfits because, uh, hey, at least it's not SantaCon. And I got to tell you, folks, I've lived in New York during SantaCon, and that is a shit show. Absolute shit show. Get 100,000 drunk 21-year-olds running around in Santa costumes, puking and peeing all over themselves. Not a good time. Stroll weekend? Tell you what, I must be getting older because I appreciate it. Civilized, people shopping, having a few cocktails, enjoying the festivities. That's what it's about. Nantucket really does it right, you know? They seem to me they've been able to build these shoulder seasons pretty well you know other places on the cape don't have these the luxury of having these uh big events that go on throughout the uh the fall into the christmas season but nantucket does it so uh that was kind of cool and it was a great stroll weekend weather can't stop talking about the weather Alrighty, folks thank you for the click as always if i said it before and i'm repeating myself i just want you to know that i appreciate it this is inside the whale episode 23. So if you've been outside in the last couple of weeks, you've probably heard the crack. The crack of shotguns going off. Because it is hunting season, man. Get your gun, get out there and kill some goddamn deer. It's hunting season. And uh, that's what today's episode is about. friend of mine, PJ Rubin, is a hunter, outdoorsman. And uh, last week, let me tell you the scenario. So last week, I was walking the dogs out by Radio Tower. And all the dogs came upon a nasty deer carcass. I had to shoo them away from it. Walked another 100 feet. And another deer carcass we stumbled upon. Ten minutes later, we're walking down the path. And I found another three deer carcasses out by the beach roads there. And then I got a text, oddly enough, from my buddy PJ saying, Hey, I'd like to come on the podcast and talk about you know some of the issues surrounding the, the hunting the hunting culture out here on Nantucket Island. I said, you know, it's funny that you sent me this message, PJ, because I just had an issue finding all these deer carcasses. So what's going on? Well, let's find out what's going on. You know, PJ certainly is uh, knows what he's talking about. He's an avid hunter and outdoorsman, and he's got some uh, strong issues about what's, what's happening on the island regarding uh, hunting. You know, are people following the rules? Apparently not. I'm not a hunter myself, so I don't know the ins and outs of the social graces of the hunting do's and don'ts but uh, I can probably guess that leaving your gutted deer carcass right in the near a road on a beach road is not something that's good practice and I I was not aware of how many people are actually coming to the island just to hunt and it's an island so the deer got nowhere to go so I get it but uh you know, this I feel like this episode is, is important to get out because it is going on. And uh, yesterday we went for a walk out by the Gardner property and we did hear a crack of a shotgun that was really close. So we turned around and got back in the truck. We were like, no, thank you. So it is a little bit of the Wild West, it seems like, going out there. But uh, listen to this conversation with PJ Rubin because I think he shed some light on what's going on. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, he's got some valid points. 
So it is hunting season, and I know it is Christmas season. So with that, let's just get into it, folks. Here we go. It's time to go inside the whale. Rise now, you white whale. Show us your crooked jaw. Show us your wrinkled brow. Rise. He rises! <laughs> Well, I think that's for the people to decide whether it's relevant or not, right? I mean, there's a limit to how many. Well, let's 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 go right. Let's start from the beginning. Here. Yeah, sure. Let's get into. We're talking about hunting on Nantucket, where it stands the present day. Some of the issues that are on the island right now. You can pick it up. Yeah, okay. it's casual. You got. I want to be able to look at you. Yeah, you want to be able to look at me and talk and, and hear all those good things. But some of the issues that are facing the island and the hunting, Nantucket has a pretty big hunting community. Yes, I would say we have an extremely dedicated group of hunters on Nantucket. Um, and this whole, uh, the reason that you're here now, uh, thank you, PJ, for sitting down and inside the whale. Oh, you're welcome, Doug. Uh, not happy only to a, be here. Not only a friend, but an active uh, active island hunter. Yes. And it, uh, I got a text from him about the... Uh, uh, Regarding hunting, and it was ironic because uh, I had been out walking with my dogs that morning out by the Radio Tower Beach and came across three different uh, deer carcasses. And after I texted PJ back and I said, no, it's interesting that you wanted, we could, wanted to talk about hunting because, uh, you know, that why are those deer carcasses there? They're not supposed to be there. And you filled me in that there is an influx of people. And I did not know this before, but there's a lot of people coming from off island to Nantucket specifically just to kill the deer. Yeah, it's good hunting. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, um, from a straight numbers standpoint, we probably have one of the densest deer herds. We certainly have one of the densest deer herds in Massachusetts, and we might, you know, be vying for some of the you know greater greatest densities in the country. I mean, I think there's a few counties in the Midwest and a few states there that have, you know, numbers that are a little bit higher than ours, but depending on which number you're working with, we have an incredibly dense population of deer per square mile on the island. I've heard anywhere from, you know, 35 to 55 deer per square mile, um, which is, that's a lot of deer. And it's overpopulated. Let's, let's, that's right. There, there's an overpopulation. Well, you know, um, I don't see signs of the population being stressed in the sense that there's not enough food for them, um, which is what I would, you know, consider overpopulation. First of all, I am not a deer biologist, so everything that I'm saying is just based upon my personal observations. Um, and your experience. How many, my, years, how many years have you been hunting? I've been, I've been hunting out here, you know, um, for a little over a decade now, I'd say about 12 years, uh, bow hunting for, for deer. I've been hunting for a long time, but I started bow hunting out here 12 years ago. And, um, I've been out here, you know, uh, every, every fall for most of the fall hunting deer, you know, for the better part of, of the last couple of weeks of October. And in most cases, all the way through to the end of December. Um, so you have a lot of free time. Well, <laughs> I managed to find time to pursue the I, uh, activities that, uh, that 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 I enjoy. I mean, did you hear what a well calculated response? Well, I managed yeah. to find. I know. I just know that hunting takes a lot of time, and I, and, uh, I noticed uh, I was coming from a walk uh, the other morning, and I saw a hunter coming out, and he'd been in the woods all night. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, know, it's, it's it's certainly it's a, you know to to actively pursue wild game. It's. Uh, I was thinking about it today in preparation for coming to talk to you, especially bow hunting. It's a very selfish pursuit. You know, you have to spend a lot of time by yourself and not doing things for the people that need you to do them for, you know, do things for them, um, which is, which is hard and it can be taxing, you know, on on a bunch of different levels. Um, but it definitely requires some time. And I think one of the things that, uh, that you seem to me pretty knowledgeable about some of the issues that were going on within the hunting community and uh, specifically the people that weren't uh weren't following the rules and and it's from what you've told me that there's a lot of gray areas there about you know how people pursue their uh hunting how how they carry themselves yeah i mean i think that there's this is a very complex issue right um i think and you know there isn't one answer to to the problem you know we have 
the well, line state what the problem is. Okay. Well, there, there's a couple of issues here. I, I would say a couple of really, you know, relevant points. One is that uh, there's this notion that Lyme's disease is spread through the deer population. Um, I, I think that there's a portion of that that's true, but I don't think they're exclusively responsible for deer or deer ticks being distributed around the island. Um, I think the fact that deer ticks bite us is indication enough that they're not host specific. Right. I mean, I would agree with it, you. You know, if they were host specific, then yeah, you could point the finger at, at deer and say, well, that's the problem, but they bite us and they, and you know, they're, um, the, the nymphal or larva stage, whatever the, 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 the stage is, you're going to edit this down and make me sound a little bit more intelligent here. Um, no, you can, <laughs> that's the, the beauty of the, it. The nymph stage is, um, you know, the one that spreads the disease. And in fact, that, that uh, stage of the tick is more likely to be found on a white-footed deer mouse than it is on a white-tailed deer. And I've done, been doing a little bit of reading since we started talking about this. And in fact, it, it appears that whitetails have an incredible ability to, to purge Lyme disease out of their system. Their immune systems can somehow... Yeah, they, they can get rid of it and clean it out relatively quickly, whereas some of the smaller rodents, like this white-footed deer mouse and rabbits, and stuff, they don't have the ability to, to, to flush that disease out of their bodies. Hmm. So is it your contention that it's actually not just the deer? You're saying it's 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 rodents and other yeah, animals that, here, that are, are bigger carriers or well I, I don't i don't know necessarily about that i think the deer contribute to it and my theory is this is that i think the deer aid in the distribution of the ticks right the mice and the rabbits are relatively homebody you know animals they stay in a really small area you know you see the same rabbits in your yard every day and they run into the bushes and they come back out right they don't roam a lot deer tend to cover a lot more ground um, and at certain times of the year they cover expansive territories. I also think that, that the way that we're pursuing our deer herd on the island right now is we're promoting that distribution. We are pushing them out of the areas where they feel the most comfortable, which is large woodlots um, okay. and, and, and so big that, expanses of land. Because of building? is what. No, I think, that, I think the method that, that gets employed during the hunting season, particularly the gun season, which is going on right now, um, moves a lot of deer towards houses because that's where they feel the safest. In... You know, getting out of the large tracts of the of the center of the island, the moors, the cranberry bogs, all that stuff, where there's, you know, today there's groups of 30 guys walking shoulder to shoulder through those tracks, you know, yelling, screaming, and shooting like crazy. Well, yeah, I've heard the guns going off like crazy. Yeah, and, and, you know, it doesn't take the deer long to figure out, well, these places are not safe. So I'm going to go, you know, tuck into a house where I don't have guys walking by and, and, uh, and be in a protected environment. What I think happens then is that the ticks that are on them – get deposited, some of them get deposited in and around the homes, which is exactly what we don't want to have happen. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that the deer don't go into homes, you know, any ways to get food. Sure, they do. Um, but we're, we're, you know, I think promoting that behavior by pushing them out of, out of the areas where they, where they feel comfortable and, and forcing them to seek sanctuary in less populated or, or areas that don't receive as much hunting pressure. Right. So what would the, what would be the solution? Well, it, there's, you know, there, there are certain things that we know about the white-tailed deer, right? There are two things that affect their, their movement during daytime hours, right? One of them is the temperature, um, which we can't really do anything about. We've had a couple of very warm Novembers and as a result, you know, hunting deer in warm weather is, is, is very challenging. They respirate like a dog. You know, that all of their cooling is through their mouth and a little bit through their ears. So, and they put their winter coats on, you know, based upon the number of hours of daylight, not the temperature of right, the calendar. You know, so they put them on in early fall, regardless of what's going on with the weather. And, you know, when they put those thick fur coats on and start, you know, you know packing on extra calories and fat to get them through the winter and the breeding season, if it's, you know, anywhere above 15 uh, you know, percentage points above the normal temperature, their daytime movement is, is limited. They just can't cool themselves. So it's, it's, it, you know, they, they tend to do most of their moving around at night when it's warm. Um, the other factor that, that we know really affects deer movement is hunting pressure. Um, they will respond relatively quickly to um, a large human presence and the stress that that creates in their environment. They will move they will, the older, you know, deer will become almost entirely nocturnal. 
um, which makes them very difficult to kill. And in fact, that's what's happening in my mind on the island right now. We have this giant influx of people that come onto the island, and they you have like if you had to ballpark it, uh, this is something I want to put a number on it. When you say influx, is it like a hundred guys, or you think there's like two hundred to three hundred people coming on island a day? It feels to me like it's closer to a hundred, maybe a hundred. 50 at the max. Now, do you say this from just like being out in the woods and maybe seeing a guy that you don't recognize? Well, or? I mean, yeah, and, and I think most people would agree. That number, you know, again, it's I'm just guessing. Right, we're I, guessing. We don't really know because I don't think the state, you know, keeps that kind of data as to, you know, how many people from off. It's, it's a Massachusetts deer tag, right? Right. You get a zone 14. We're in game management zone 14 doe tag. So there is the ability to, to mine some of that data. Um, but I don't think they distinguish between people that live here and people that don't live here. Um, gotcha. But I think most people that live on this, most of the hunters on this island would, would say that the large deer drives, they're not exclusively off-island guys. There are, there are guys on the island that, that drive deer as a means of hunting them. And if you don't know what that means, that's that's walking through the woods and essentially flushing the deer you know, from where they're, where they're seeking sanctuary, where they're hiding, and then shooting them as they're running away. Right. Okay. Um, it's a very effective method for killing animals. Now, do you see, I have to ask this, do you see guys with automatic assault rifles shooting deer? Or no. is, it, is it primarily shotgun it, and N22? or Massachusetts doesn't allow the use of rifles to hunt the big game. Uh, you know, the state's too populated. So we're limited to shotguns here, which is smart. And, you know, the shotguns today and the muzzle loaders are, are pretty efficient weapons. Mm -hmm. um, and most of these guys are shooting buckshot, which is um, multiple pellets right. come out of the gun um, at one time. And uh, so that th these large deer drives of these groups of people, and I, I ran into a group that was easily 30 guys the other day. 30 um, guys? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um they, you know, they, they form these giant lines and they walk through the bushes and, and flush these animals. It's like out. flushing a convict out, you know, like the police lines that yeah, they do. It's, it's the essentially, it's exactly right. And, you know, and, and all those. So you'll have like 10 guys lined up and just all fire cracking off their rifles. And yeah, which is one. Yeah. They're shotguns, which is why you hear those, you know, long volleys clack, 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 clack. Of, of 10, 12. I think I counted one the other day that was 14 shots. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and I, my guess is there were probably multiple deer, but if the first five didn't, didn't connect, I'm not sure what the, the back nine was hoping to achieve. That mm -hmm. um, seems like a lot of lead in the air. Um, so I think I'm trying to get to what the, the, some of your, the issues that you're having that you're seeing on the island so that, I, that, that are like, you're clearly passionate about hunting and you feel like there's some, there's some people, there's a protocol to, to, to hunting. Well, there, there, there's, there, like I said, there's multiple issues here. You know, in terms of the Lyme disease thing, I think in a way, there, there there's multiple scientific studies on either side of the equation as to whether or not deer populations directly correlate to Lyme disease numbers, right? Unfortunately, none of those studies have been done on Nantucket. And obviously, Nantucket is an island, which makes it unique, as is every other ecosystem for that matter. We don't have some of the controlling factors that the other places have. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have any ground predators to keep our rabbit population, our mouse population, our rat population, you know, under control. It's it's left entirely to feral cats, which I guess are a ground predator to some extent, but mostly birds. That, that you you mentioned things. the rabbit population that they're way overpopulated right they're, now. Yeah, there's they're, they're the only thing hunting them are the people and in some of the birds, the red tail hawks and stuff. But if you look around the island, there's not a lot of places where red tail hawk can actually get down to the understory to, to, to kill a rabbit, right? It's it's pretty dense on this island. I'm for the rabbits because they crush your garden. <laughs> I mean, everything should be balanced. So, so you can we can agree on that. We can so, agree on that. Yeah. So I think in terms of the Lyme disease, the science is certainly not definitive either way and you know we have variables here that other places don't have when they're looking at it i think i brought you a study today that was you know from one of my only guests that brought literature to to back up his <laughs> argument he's such a professional <laughs> well in, and uh, you know in this particular study they they found a direct correlation between the reduction in fox numbers um and the increase in lyme's disease and their their theory was <laughs> there's a Tasmanian devil just came in here to the room. Their theory was that as the coyotes spread into this particular region, um, they pushed the foxes out 
And the foxes tended to focus on smaller prey than the coyotes. As a result, the rabbits, the, the deer mice, the rats populations exploded. And <laughs> hang on, I'm going to have to pause it because he's going to rip out all these wires. He's like a little tank. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, we won't pause it. That's that, that's again. That's uh, that's that was a little dog disruption. That's our studio charm. Yes. Anyway, anyway so so what I was saying was that this particular study found that the the absence of foxes really was the direct correlation to the increase in Lyme's disease because of the small rodent population, which hmm. we have a lot of here. Yeah. Um, so I think it's you know I I think that there it makes a lot of sense to look at the deer ticks and the deer and find a correlation. I'm sure they contribute, you know, um, but I don't think it's the sole, right. Sole cause of it. And I, I think it's a, it's a fairly narrow way to look at the problem. <laughs> hey, buddy. Speaking of a problem, um, oh, Jesus. To, to blame the deer for the, you know, for the disease. So I think, uh, one of the, th I, I think that's a valid, valid argument. I don't have any statistics or anything or, any sort of argument to refute that, but I guess I want to get back to uh, the the dynamics of the hunters because you've spoken to me a lot of times. You see a lot of these guys come out here, and there's a there's some people hunt certain ways, some people hunt different ways. Yeah, and, 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 and there's a there's, there's a there's an etiquette. Sure, and there's a longstanding you know sort of agreement between hunters that you can't criticize any method of hunting because it, it would jeopardize all hunting. Right. Well, right. I disagree with that. I don't think that that's the case. And, and I have my preferred method, um, and other people have their preferred method and, and that's fine. Right. You know, the, the issue that I think we run into here now is it, it's courtesy. <laughs> you know, we have people coming to our Island, um, that are our guests really. And, they behave in a manner that makes it very difficult for us to have intelligent conversations about hunting after they leave. You know, you experienced it the other day. They leave gut piles where they don't belong. Right. And I think that's, that's the, what I was trying to bring to light was that, you know, listen, like it's, it's a nuisance for everyone on the island. And we don't know if it was an off islander that left all those three carcasses there. No, I'm not suggesting that they're the only people that do it by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, this is a small community and we can sort of police our own. And it's free to take the, to your carcass to the dump. And that's what you're supposed to do. And clearly they're not because that's just laziness. They just don't know one wants to have to load the carcass up. I, you know, I don't know what their motivation is, but it, 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 you know, it has a negative impact on all of us, right? None of the non-hunting people on the island enjoy walking their dogs by disgusting gut piles that, that again, we don't, we don't have anything to really clean it up. You know, no. the crows work on it. So it sits there for months. For it's months. It's disgusting. I know. The dogs I, get into it. It, it, you know, and there's also, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a real disregard for property on the island. Um, you know, the, the rules in Massachusetts are, are, are fairly, you know, they're, they're, they're obviously the rules are the rules, right? They're basically number based in terms of distances from occupied dwellings and, and those types of things where it's okay to discharge a weapon. Gotcha. It's 500 feet from an occupied dwelling. Now, I don't know of anybody that's that's litigated the definition of occupied, and I'm guessing that if we did, the hunters would not be happy about the outcome because of I course. think the courts would say, well, anything that could be occupied because otherwise you would have to knock on the door and check it to determine was, at right, that particular moment. That's a little arduous. Right. So, you know, 500 feet is 160 yards, and it's a, that's a long way. And a lot of these, you know, folks are hunting well within that boundary. And so give me an example. I mean, obviously you don't have names, but you, you, give me a situation that's happened recently where, where, where you were just like, I, you've told a, me a couple of situations. Yeah, I've had a couple of incidences, you know, and we're only into the third day of gun season right now. And, and, uh, but, uh, on Monday I was, you know, sitting in my tree stand and having a really wonderful morning. The hunting was fantastic. I was seeing a lot of deer activity and, you know, 20 plus guys came into the area that I was hunting and, and it's, it's not public land, but it's land that's open to the public. You know, we have very limited pieces. Of, I think the only truly public land on Nantucket is the state forest. The rest of it's owned by private nonprofits. Yeah, like land, land bank. bank and everything. Um, so, you know, there certainly wasn't anything I could say about them being there. They had every right to be there. It's not posted. It's open to them. Um, but I did, you know, stand up and I brought an extra piece of orange fabric with me to wave and say, hey, you know, I'm here. <laughs> and I'm hunting <laughs> and they 
they continued to push, you know, and and you know, flush quite a few deer. Where you were up in the tree stand watching, yeah, right, these. right by me. And in fact, you know, the, the thing that really upset me was one of the guys, you know, shot at a doe that was really close to my stand, and it took me a while to realize what I was hearing. But after I calmed down, I realized I heard one of the pellets hit a tree. Whoa! Not far from me. That's a little close for comfort. Yeah, and the fact that you can distinguish that noise is—it's you know that that's that's not safe. Well, I think that that that's a great example of just how uh, many people are out there and how dangerous it's starting to get because we are on an island, right? Yeah, and you have limited space. Right, and and you know, and I had—they uh, were going very close to one of the houses, you know, the properties, one of the properties that I actively hunt a lot. And I said, "Hey, listen, it's 500 feet from an occupied dwelling. That's private land." And the guy oh, said, "Oh, you said me, something." Oh yeah, of course. You know, I, the landowner lets me hunt there. He and his wife were in the house. Okay. And one of these individuals was—he was—he was. He was 200 feet from the house, not 500 feet. And he turned to me and said, well, it's not posted. I said, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you right now, it's private land. That's the same thing as having a posted sign. And it's also 500 feet. And what did he say to that? They don't, punters don't like to be told what to do, right? No, no. And um, was he like, F you, buddy? Yeah. Well, and then one of his buddies shot real close to me and, and, uh, you know, and. Oh, that's a vibe. It was a vibe thing, huh? Was- I, I took it that way. And, wow, um, it's intense out there in the woods, man. And you got guns, so it could be a matter of time before someone's actually shot. Right? Well, we've had numerous incidences out here over the years. I mean, it's there have been incidents. Yeah, I don't people, think they've been. They certainly haven't been intended. Listen, nobody wants to shoot. It just ruins everybody's day. Yeah, right? yeah, that's, that'd be a bummer. Um, but we've, you know, uh, we, we've had some very, um, you know, a couple years ago, a guy was shot in the stomach. Um, on a deer drive. Really? Yes. Is and, he okay? Uh, uh, yeah, I think he was ultimately okay. I mean, he did need, you know, his med backed off the island. Jesus. He needed, you know, emergency medical care. And then we had this really strange incident where uh, a guy driving a white van was shot. And, uh, whoa, that was loud. Do you know? Um, I don't, you know, and I don't even quite honestly, I don't know how that's possible. I mean, I have yet to see a deer that sounds like an old van driving I wondered, down you know, I even wondered that too, walking the dogs over by the Gardner property. Cause I heard, I heard some gunshots that were pretty close, but I, I always assume that, I mean, com- you'd have to be really drunk or to, to mistake someone in a green Patagonia jacket for a deer, right? Um, yeah, I, I quite honestly, it, it, I don't, I mean, I, I understand that it does happen. I, I, you know, there are often times when I'm in the woods and a lot of time it's during bow season where you think you see something that looks like a deer, uh-huh. but deciding to shoot at it and seeing something that you think is a deer are two completely different equations, right? Yeah. You know, you're like, hey, that might be a deer. And then you say, I'm not really sure. You, you certainly don't discharge a firearm in that direction to find out. Well, that's just a, that, that kind of scenario, I'm sure. And, and I guess because there are so many people out there and you're on an island, it seems like that scenario could could come come to fruition pretty quick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, you think you heard you heard a, a buckshot hit close well, to your head. Oh, I know that's what I heard. You know, I, I know for certain that's what I heard. And so I think that, you know, it, it, what happens is that every year, you know, n- nobody's happy about what transpires out here over the first week or so of gun season. As right, and here we are, we're, we're, and that, that's why I thought you'd be a great guest today, because, you know, we're in the first week of gun season, there's clearly a lot going on, and I, I've been affected by it just by seeing the deer carcasses on the road and having to pull my dogs off of it and get a bone out of his mouth, and yeah. it is, it's a nuisance. So and I, I guess, think, you know, my, my take on it is we've tolerated this sort of behavior because we really think we need to kill the deer, okay? So, you know, sure, we, we definitely need to manage the population. It is an island, and they're not going to self-manage, and we have no other predators. So certainly some of them need to be taken. Is there a direct link between the deer and Lyme disease? Maybe. You know, there's certainly a contributing aspect of it. But, you know, stressing the deer, making them that much more difficult to hunt by putting all that kind of pressure on them, moving them out of the, out of the big, you know, wooded areas into the suburban things, I think we're actually – creating you know we're creating a problem instead of solving one and 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 i don't think that the off-island individuals are responsible for a huge number of deer that we couldn't take care of ourselves right okay well there's the argument right there you don't think that uh you know that they need to be coming over here there's enough hunting 
And, and, and know, the hunters on the Nantucket, the natives can take care of it. And I'm, I'm sure you're, you're aware of the recent development where we now have a sort of a Feed the Hungry program, which a lot of states across the country have had for years, where you can donate venison to food banks to 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 the uh, on island you can do it at um, I didn't know that yeah there's the the process, oyster crackers really yeah he has he has agreed to process 75 deer a year which is a lot of meat and then distribute that that meat to to families that, that would it, like you know that could use it that's great it might need help it's a smart program so you know right there that's potentially 75 deer more that that we could shoot and manage out of the population that would have not necessarily been taken because you know you can only do you can only handle so many you know right. you only have so much freezer space or so many friends that will eat it or you know whatever the case is and Quite honestly, it's a lot of work once you shoot a deer to break it down. To, to, yeah, well, I can. You've told me how much it's a time-consuming process yeah. to, to get the meat so, from a deer. You know, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think we're accomplishing our goals of, of reducing the. Hang on um, one second. I'm gonna have to. I might have to go buck hunting on this dog. <laughs> I'm. I, I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. I just my d- Hank ran in the room. I'm gonna. So we're back. We're back. After a little canine. After a little canine disruption, that's part of the the. Uh, Domestic charm, <laughs> however you want to call it. Anyway, um, I forget what we were just talking about before we were rudely interrupted, but I think it had to do with uh, the solutions of how to... Yeah, and so th- this, to me, came came about, well, for years I have been saying, and, uh, you know, a couple of the guys that I, you know, keep in close contact with during hunting season is, you know, we, we we've all said... I need to get out of here for gun season because you know the, the the transformation in the island is is it's really it's it's substantial. You know, I mean, there there are a lot of guys out here that are hunting you know during bow season, and you know, occasionally there's conflict. People are in places where they shouldn't be, or you get too close to somebody. But generally, that gets managed pretty quickly and easily, right? You know, oh, I'm sorry, and you move or or whatever, right? And then all of a sudden, we are overrun with people, and it kind of speaks to the 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 all the different. Uh, variables of the island and how overpopulated right. it's become, I guess, right? right? Yes. Even the hunting and, and, community. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, 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 you know, to us, it feels like July 4th weekend if you have a house on Surfside or nobody. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, a good analogy. It, it, it does feel that way. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, it, and it complicates a lot of things for, for us. You know, one is, personally, I feel that, you know, most of the bow hunters I know on this island have a certain amount of respect for white-tailed deer. You know, they, they spend a lot of time trying to, to, to harvest, you know, mature animals that are not easy to kill by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and you can't, you know, pursue those, you know, and spend that amount of time without developing some sort of reverence for, right, of what you're you know, doing. what an incredible animal they are. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys that will refuse to shoot, um, uh, does with babies huh. or small deer, you know, right. um, and you know, to each his own, but you know, when, when, when these drives are going th- on, <laughs> he's amazing. He's a magician. Yes. Jesus. All right. So there think, we go. I think what I was saying is that, uh, you know, generally the, the, the shooting is, is they're not discriminating between, you know, adult animals or babies or, you know, which is, listen, it's fine. Everybody, you know, should be free to make that decision for themselves. But as I said, I know a lot of people that, 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 you know, don't do that. Mm. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, it's a personal choice, but it, it you know, it's a personal choice. I'll yeah. That, you know, um, and, and then the other problem is, is it creates a very bad light for us, for the non hunters. You know, I mean, a lot of people don't distinguish between, you know, people that are recklessly leaving carcasses and gut piles all over the island and those of us that aren't doing it. Right. Um, and so it casts and hunters it just, in a very, it puts us in an awkward situation. It creates a situation where we really, it's difficult to have intelligent conversations about our role on the island and our role in society when people are behaving in a, in a completely disrespectful manner. And in turning those people that don't participate in this activity, you know, against us. I think that the the general public, the sort of common knowledge is that deers are overpopulating every place. I know uh, in Syracuse, where I'm from, they extended the the season, the shotgun season, because it's such a problem. They've had the car, car accidents. The deers are so overpopulated. Yeah, they've completely just run over. So, so I think that the you know, I don't think that people think that oh, the hunting's bad. I think it's probably just the it's the it's the responsibility that comes along with it to to, to take care 
of what you kill. <laughs> yeah. And, you and, and, you know, I think there, there's another issue here too, which is, you know, at some point in the not too distant future, based upon what's been going on around the country and around the world, we are going to have a serious gun control discussion. In you this know, country. I, I don't know if you saw the news today, but there was another shooting in San Bernardino, San Bernardino California. No. And, uh, I thought that, uh, you know, I know you own guns sure, and I know you're an advocate. I, I, per, I personally, I don't know where, uh, you're, I think I know where you stand, but that, I, I think that in my opinion, there should be a ban on all assault rifles. I think that, uh, I don't want to see a complete ban of it. I think you should be allowed to, to hunt with a shotgun or 22, but I don't think that, uh, I think there should be a, a world, a countrywide ban on assault rifles. There's no point that anyone should own an assault rifle in my opinion but i know some people are gonna would get well that's of course i mean there are a lot of people that think that the second amendment you know was 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 meant to be a a piece of law that never changed with time i mean it it, it's which i think is a very you know it's 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 a very narrow-minded way to look at a document that was written a couple hundred years ago to think that it's it doesn't need to be altered or or be brought up to the current thinking or, or what it was society. applicable to, during the time it just doesn't yeah. it doesn't I mean, fit it, we live in a vastly different world it goes without saying right so everything changes you can't just you know i mean there are some principles in that document that we need to adhere to but it's you know the, the, they were talking about you know muskets and muzzle loaders of not course so nice, you know and and uh, and and i guess my point is that when people behave poorly it, it, it's difficult to, to, well, first of all, you, I can't defend that action. I mean, when somebody does something that's incredibly lazy and leaves a gut pile that your dog's going to eat when they can get rid of it for free in a manner that's not going to affect you, I, I there's nothing for me to say except, yeah, that's just bad. Bullshit. It's bad ethics. It's bad <laughs> behavior. I can't defend it. And then it muddies the, the, the gun issue, Correct. right? Because, you know, that sort of bad behavior, it's, it's indefensible. And it makes it difficult to have a you know constructive conversation about hunting and, and guns that we use for hunting in our society today. Yeah, I think that's a valid argument. I mean, it uh, it certainly is a complex one, and the, the hunting community it has really gone to bat. You know, the NRA has really come into play. Yeah, the NRA is an interesting issue too. You know, the um, there are many many more hunters in this country i think it's uh, i think the you know than there are nra members so i think the numbers stack up something along the lines of there's 15 million hunting licenses sold in the united states and there's 5 million nra members um so there's 10 million hunters out there that are not participating in the nra currently interesting yeah and and the and a large portion of the nra are not hunters um there are a lot of people that are they their thing is guns the target shooting or whatever it is you know and they don't go into the woods um to pursue game they have guns for the sake of having guns you know so the two are not synonymous in fact you know most of the guys that i hunt with um i would say a large percentage of them don't belong to the nra um and are you do you belong to the nra i don't actually and the reason i don't belong to the nra is because i believe an unflinching position such as the one the nra takes is only going to break <laughs> and and it's going to result in a in a in 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 a loss that's greater than what anybody wants to have happen in other words a more articulate way to say that is if you say any concession is too much then you really don't leave a lot of opportunity for negotiation the problem, as I see it, too, is the people that are supporters of the NRA and the Second Amendment is they don't like they're in they're of this mindset that they don't want to be told that they can't have something. It's a very American kind of deep rooted right that I don't want to be told that I can't have something. Yeah. And, and, and right? yeah, I think that's I, I agree. It's a, there's a there's a part of that that's true. And, and you know, and, and we live in a very regulated society. I mean, you know, hunting in particular is extremely regulated, right? I need a license and I need a certificate that says I've taken a course and I can only shoot certain things during a certain time of year. And I can only use certain types of broadheads with my bow. I can only shoot certain types of shot at certain types of animals. Um, and it, it's exhaustive, the amount of regulation that's involved with the pursuing of game. Yet we, we're still having fun. Right. You know, so, you know, I think most of the hunters, you know, that think about that realize that regulations, it's, it's not bad. In fact, it's necessary. You know, as times change, the animal populations wane and, 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 and grow, we all need to make adjustments. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, Massachusetts is a great example. You can't hunt deer with a rifle here. Well, we, st- we, st- we still have, we still have very, you know, we have weapons that work perfectly fine. So I guess that brings us back to like how, what are the adjustments you'd make on Nantucket? You know, if you could, what do you see needs to be done? So the, f- for me, this came about, as you know, um, I've been spending a little time out in the Hamptons this, this fall and mm-hmm. the town of East Hampton, which makes up the majority of the east end of the southern fork of Long wow. Island, from everything from Southampton out, it includes Montauk and the Springs. It's a, it's a you know it's a large piece of land. They do not allow hunting on their public lands um, by non-residents. Well, um, there you go. That's an easy fix right there. Yeah, and you know, and and it, and it, and it I think that decision takes a lot of guts. Quite honestly, you you as a and as a resident, you are allowed to have one guest with you while you're hunting. Hmm. Um, Is so, it enforced? I would imagine. I mean, you know, game laws are difficult to enforce. It's hard to have eyes everywhere, right? Um, Does Nantucket have a game warden? We do. And during gun season, we usually have two. Um, and they're very busy. I, I would They get a lot of phone calls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I, that got me to thinking. You know, I, at first I was like, wow, how did they pull that off? So I did a little bit of research under the laws. And there, there's a lot of flexibility in what towns can decide, especially about discharging firearms within city limits and all those types of things, right? Um, and... You know, the way that I look at it is they had to assume, assume a certain amount of responsibility for the tick issue there themselves, right? By, by choosing not to let these hordes of people come in and, 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 you know, march through their public lands, you know, to kill deer and get rid of the ticks, um, the natural occurrence or, you know, recourse of, nah, it's not the word I'm looking for, but you, you know what I'm trying to say. Right. The, the natural ramification is you have to assume some responsibility for managing your tick issue. Of course. Right. Um, and, you know, and in exchange for that, they don't go through what we go through, which is which is having an influx of people, chaos, right? And and uh, you know, as I mentioned, do you earlier, feel like it's chaos out there in the woods? Yeah, I, 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 chaos may be too strong of a word, but I think there's an incredible disregard for uh, private property. You know, that's that that's one of the reasons why I thought it would be interesting to have you on because I think you you know you clearly. Had a voice and an opinion about something that a, a lot of people just don't talk about. It people don't know about like what's going on, and but we as non-hunters we hear it. Yeah, that's for sure. And I don't know a single person on this island hunters. And I'm not saying that person doesn't exist, but I don't know anybody that enjoys the gun season as it presently exists out here on Nantucket. I'm not opposed to gun hunting. It's 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 a great way to to, to take deer. But the way that it happens here on Nantucket, it's, it's stressful for everybody. It's stressful for the non-hunters. They don't feel comfortable going out in the woods, and with good reason. Well, your, your it's stressful story. for the island hunters because, you know, everything that we've been watching and managing or whatever and the relationships we've been building and the properties that we've been looking over, those just get – just you know, those boundaries get disregarded. Um, yeah, I think and again, that, it casts us in this, you know, negative light of being slob, you know, hunters that don't care about the ramifications of our behavior. Right. And And I'd like to think that clearly any Islander would, would think, especially out by the radio tower where I saw those three carcasses would think, you know, people are walking their dogs. They know Nantucket. They know people are walking their dogs. I got to pick this, you know, I can't leave this here. I don't leave gut piles in the woods. So that was just a big disregard. I know. know, And, and, uh, I don't do it for a couple of reasons, but it, but it really doesn't take that much effort to, to not leave them in places where people are going to have contact with them. It's really not that hard. Yeah. You know, um, well, hopefully, uh, you know, I think that maybe it, it, like everything, if there's a tipping point, you know, I don't know if we're, would you say, I think we're at the tipping point. I guess the deer population will, will indicate that, right? Well, I mean, so, you know, the, again, there, the, it's a multiple, it's a multiple, you know, uh, prong argument. We need to manage the deer population and we need to manage the tick population. And one way to do that is to manage the deer population, right? So the deer definitely need to be controlled and the ticks, you know, are going to be controlled as well to some extent, right? But yet year in and year out, the deer numbers really don't change, you know? So the state hasn't said, oh, you know, hey, there are substantially less deer on the island than there were 10 or 15 years ago. It's, you know, the kill every year is, you know, within the ballpark. Except for these years where we have these extremely warm falls, um, that tends to drive the numbers down. There are a lot of people who think that the numbers have taken a hit, you know, as a combination of, of, of those two factors. You know, if you kill enough does, eventually 
the deer population is going to start to go down. But I don't think that anybody can look you in the face and say, well, we're going to get them all, or we're going to get it down to the target numbers that the state wants to set. Nantucket is incredibly dense environment, you know, and the deer have this, have a very good ability to sense pressure and alter their lifestyles to avoid it. Oh, that, that's what makes hunting so fun. Yeah. The deers are, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would assume. Absolutely. It, you know, it, it, uh, and that's, you know, that's what makes it rewarding, you know, when you are successful, you know, and, and taking a prey. The, the, this is a dumb question. Do people hunt with handguns? In certain states, it's allowed. It's not allowed here. It's not allowed here, no. but do people do it? Or? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. People hunt <laughs> just about every way you can imagine. Whether it's legal or not, people are just... Uh... Yeah, and, you know, and uh, managing the deer population, you know, other states have taken a much more... Prog- you know, I hate to say that Connecticut's been more progressive than Massachusetts, you know. It, but it, it has. It offends my Yankee soul to say right. that. <laughs> but, but, you know, what Connecticut has done over the last few years is in areas where they've identified, you know, deer densities that need to be actively managed, they've allowed baiting. Um, you know, it that makes killing deer substantially easier. Um, they've also allowed hunting on private land on Sundays, which for most guys increases the number of days they can hunt by, you know, 100%. Um, and they've also, you know, this year they enacted, they are allowing rifles. They previously was a shotgun only state, but on, on private land over a certain size, they allow you to use a rifle now. Um, and so far this year, the 10 largest deer taken in the state of Connecticut were all taken on Sunday on private lands with rifles. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So, you know, it's, it's clearly, uh, you know, th- th- those, those techniques are working. The baiting certainly helps you know for those people that that are looking for an easier way to be successful um there there are other ways that we can control this population you know that are a little less offensive to to everyone and and what what can you do what can like someone or i shouldn't say you but like when you find deer carcasses like how can you do you just complain to the town well i mean it, it there you know there aren't any real regulations in place that say that it's mandatory to do X, Y, and Z with the carcasses, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's, it's a function of common courtesy really is what it boils down to. Right. Um, and, uh, we don't tend to see a lot of that <laughs> out here right But now. you're seeing a lot more of it, you know? Uh, yeah. And I, and I, I, I know that I'm not alone on this. I mean, I've spoken to at least a dozen of my friends on the Island that are also hunters and everybody has the same complaint. You know, I spend the first three days of gun season kicking people out of properties that they're clearly not allowed on. Um, and, you know, and, and fielding calls from my non-hunting friends about gut piles. And, you know, it, 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 it's universally, the pain is universally distributed around the <laughs> island right now. And as I said, nobody's happy about it. You know, so then the question becomes, why do we tolerate it? I mean, what is it that we think we're getting out of it? And is that really what's, what's happening? Well, let me ask you this. What do you get out of hunting? Well, personally, I, what, what do you like about it? You know, it's, it's, it's a great question, Doug, you know, and then I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. Um, to me, it's, it's, I love to eat venison. I I really do. I think it's, it's a delicious, healthy source of protein. I haven't bought red meat in my, to bring to my home in 10 years. Um, I know I've seen your freezer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I also, um, you know, shooting deer prime with a bow. Killing deer is not as easy as everybody thinks it is, right? They're, um, There's an art to it. I know that. Yeah, and, and also they're, they're, they're incredibly adept at, at understanding the difference between a non-threatening behavior and, and something that they perceive as threatening. Um, the deer on Nantucket, they don't like sneakiness. You know, uh, recurring sounds they can get comfortable with relatively quickly. I've seen deer bedded, you know, 50 yards from a landscaping crew that has leaf blowers and all that kind of stuff going at full volume, yet when I sneak in and step on a stick... Think jumps up and runs away. You, you Very know, intuitive. So, yeah, they, they 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 have the ability to, to to distinguish between those things that they deem threatening and not threatening. Um, and so, and the older they get, the um, especially with the males, they turn into a vastly different animal. Um, and so, shooting a mature, you know, uh, male buck, white-tailed deer, it, it it there are times when it's easy. But those are far and few between. Uh, usually it requires a tremendous amount of time, patience, and not making the 8 million mistakes that you can make that result in it not happening. Um, <laughs> you know, I always tell people everything has to go basically perfect 
Um, and you have to get lucky all at the same time. And that doesn't happen a lot. In fact, with a bow and arrow, it happens, you know, a very, very, very small fraction of the time. Is it sort of like a chess game? Like a, <laughs> well, there's that aspect and, and you have to not do things stupid like your boot, you know, if your boot squeaks on the tree stand as that thing decides to come out of the things, you know, they will turn around and walk away. You know, they, they hear that noise. That What's the dumbest thing you've ever done that you lost? Oh my gosh. I can't even begin to tell you how many stupid. Give me you know, one good one where you had like a, a buck lined up <laughs> and you farted. Uh, no. <laughs> um, there was a deer that I was hunting for about three years. Um, and, uh, I'd had a, a, a bunch of encounters with him. And, uh, the night before the story that I'm about to tell you transpired, I was in a tree stand and I, I was so cold that I couldn't draw my bow back. Uh, and this, you know, deer had come in that I, I was thinking about shooting. And so in order to draw the bow back, I put the bow on my stand and I stepped on it with my foot. And then I used both hands to get the string back and then picked it up. Not that wasn't really smart in itself. <laughs> so you put your foot on and tried to pull it. I did. I got. I, I was able to get the draw the the bow drawn. Right. Um, and then I decided not to shoot the deer that that I was. Um, and what I didn't realize is that I'd stepped on the on the portion of my bow that controls um, where the arrow goes. It's called a rest. Uh huh. And I'd broken it, but I didn't know. And the next morning, I had the exact wind that I needed to go and and hunt this very substantial buck that I'd been trying to, to hunt for three years. And he had the decency to, um, I heard him running around chasing some does in the morning and I was in a little ground blind that I made. Um, and, uh, he came back through with plenty of daylight and grunted, which is a noise that most people don't get to hear. Um, and then he had, it was very decent. He put his face down in the grass and started eating after he grunted to let me know he was there and uh, I had all the time in the world to draw back on him and, and I <laughs> admit this as I was drawing back I was trying to figure out where in my office's head was going to go <laughs> and perfect and, right uh, on my uh, desk. and, and so uh, I let the arrow fly and he ran off towards the pond that he was near and I kept thinking you know fall over this is a done deal I knew exactly how far did you know was. your arrow went <laughs> I thought I hit him. I assumed I hit him, you know, and, uh, and when he turned around and started coming back towards me, I realized something had gone terribly wrong. And, uh, I, um, you know, at that point the adrenaline and the panic took over and, and I, and I quickly grabbed another arrow and I was able to get it onto the string, but he, he saw me, um, at that point. And I, I really should not have done that, but you know, you're, there's a lot of adrenaline in that moment. And uh, he did something I've seen very few deer do. When he saw me, he realized that the situation was bad. And you know when you have a young puppy and they tuck their tail down between their legs and they do that, you know, a lot of people call it a scooch? Yeah. He, he did that. He went, oh, and looked at me, dropped his back end, and lit off into the bushes so unbelievably fast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was a – that was I should have looked at my equipment. I sh You know, there, there were a lot of things that I did wrong there, um, but – that happens. Did you ever get them? Because um, deers are like that, right? You know, you got one. They're, you know, and, and um, you get to know the, yeah, the deer. Not you're to get into kill. too many deer hunting stories, but a couple weeks later, I was with a few buddies of mine, and, and um, um, we were gun hunting. And he jumped up in front of a friend of mine, and I was yelling, "Shoot him! Shoot him! Shoot him!" And he was a very large deer. You know, we 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 grow some some bucks that. Uh, get in and around 300 pounds on Nantucket, which is a substantial animal. Um, and my buddy was so overwhelmed by the size of this deer that instead of putting his gun to his shoulder, he basically dropped it by his side and opened his mouth and stared at it and went, Oh my God. <laughs> Cause it was so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I, 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 I don't know what came over me. PG goes, I never expected an animal that big to get out of that bush. <laughs> and so he let it he go. Didn't, he just stared at it and didn't didn't fire at him, and, and off he went into the distance. Another deer saved. Yeah. yeah. Well, PJ, thank you for coming on and talking about My pleasure. The, the, uh, the hunting uh, season that is just underway. I think that, uh, you know, your, your perspective, I think, is interesting because I think there's a lot of people out there that – don't art hunters and can have a little more idea of what's going on on in the hunting community out here. And that uh, sounds know, like there's some issues. Uh, yeah, I think there are. And I would encourage people that if they see behavior that they're not happy with, 
don't be afraid to say something, you know? Um, I know that that's intimidating when, when there's a bunch of guys standing around with guns, <laughs> it's intimidating for everybody. Um, but there, there's nothing wrong with policing our home, you know, and, 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 and making sure that, that people treat it the way we want it to be treated. And, um, you know, I would encourage people to get out there and, and if you can, you know, spend a little time watching these animals. They are really, you know, the, the process that they go through every fall is, it's really fascinating to watch. And, uh, and, you know, they're, they're, they're gorgeous, beautiful animals and we're very lucky to have them. Yeah. Beautiful animals that I love to kill. I like to eat them. I don't like he to likes eat to eat them. I know. I just wanted to say that. No, I think that's that was great. That's why I wanted to have you on because I know how passionate you are and you the the respect. I think it's important to point out that you have for hunting as a as a as a sport and uh, the island and and yeah. Well, thanks, Doug. It's something I, I I feel you know I feel passionate and deeply about, and I think about it a lot. And um, you know, I <clears throat> I don't like. I don't like the way that the, the the deer get characterized on Nantucket and treated, you know, as if they did something wrong or they're, they're these disposable animals. I mean, the reality of the situation is we're very lucky here. We have an incredible resource. Um, you know, uh, we have 300-pound free-ranging herbivores that we get to shoot and eat. Um, that's it. <laughs> you know, and uh, that's a great thing as far as I'm concerned. It's one of the things I love most about Nantucket. And uh, It's great. You know, um, I can only imagine if we actually, you know, if we looked at the value of that resource and managed it accordingly, God only knows where we could take it. You know, I mean, we could do a lot with it. Um, but we, we, you know, we, we have chosen to up until this point to treat it as an inconvenience. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's time for that to stop. All right. There you go. There you have it. PJ Rubin. PJ Rubin, hunter, family man, surfer. We didn't talk about your fishing either, but that, that's another part. We'll, during fishing season, yeah, we'll, we'll get into fishing. And talk about He's an outdoorsman. Yeah. And uh, thanks for coming on. My pleasure, Doug. Thanks for your time. All right. We'll go have a beer. Uh, uh, yeah. No, it's, almost, it's almost that time. <laughs> yeah. And there you have it. Well, are you a hunted or the hunted? I'd ra- I get it. I would like, I, you know, I've I've shot and I've shot guns before. I've shot shotguns. I've shot pistols. It's fun, and uh, I think the, you know, the intensity of hunting is exciting, and it's a rush, and it's a, it's kind of like a chess game. So I get it. So, uh, you know, thank you, PJ, for sitting down. And uh, I'm sure there are people out there that may uh, have some opinions, strong opinions, on whether they agree or disagree with you, and uh, what you get out of it, and. Uh, you know what the right and wrong answer is i don't know you know maybe they should be uh limited to only uh island residents can hunt but uh you know that's not my uh argument and i it's not my that's not my flag that i can fly but nonetheless i think uh, it was a great conversation i think he brings a lot of issues to light and uh you know if you have any questions or comments or want me to address anything feel free to email me at inside the whale ack at gmail.com so that being said folks that's it that was episode 23 PJ Rubin thank you for sitting down and uh, get out there folks you only got a few more weeks to get your shopping done enjoy the holiday season and all its Christmas splendor that's it I'm Doug Cody as always thank you for the click guys we'll see you next time